I would start off by advising people what not to do. So you Google yeah. on the internet to find out about tinnitus. You know, Great. if you have any kind of health condition, <laughs> don't Google it. You're right. Perfect. Google. Yes, you're very but right. If you, if you actually, I mean, as a scientist, if I if yeah. I actually look critically on the information that is available on the yeah. internet, there's a lot of misinformation. Hello and welcome back to the Outring Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host and you just heard Professor Deborah Hall from uh, the UK. She is giving an amazing insight in this podcast episode in her work with people with tinnitus. And it's a very, very fantastic episode. And I just want to invite you to listen closely because she's got some fantastic information in store for you. If you uh, need any other support, then please go read my free guide to tinnitus at www.tinnitus-guide.com. But let's do the intro and get into the episode with Professor Deborah Hall. One final thing before you go into the episode, if you like and enjoy this podcast, please leave us a positive review so other people with tinnitus can also discover the show that helps me as a creator a lot who um, creates these podcast episodes for everyone out there to uh, listen to. So thank you very much. Let's do the intro and get right into the episode with Professor Deborah Hall from the UK. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Outering Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. This podcast is all about the tinnitus science and what you can do to live a better life despite the ringing. This episode is brought to you by MyTinnitus.club. MyTinnitus.club is your special online habituation community, a community of many, many people who together learn to live their absolute best life by tinnitus. You learn science-based tools and tips and tricks and strategies on how to live tinnitus behind, uh, live your best life, really reclaim everything that's most important to you. And you do that in a community of amazing people with the help of my coaching programs that has helped over hundreds of people all over the world. So go to www.mytinnitus.club to claim your 14 days free trial. Join one of the frequent events that we have every single week and see how my science-based coaching program will help you to live your best life despite tinnitus. Today, I have uh, Deborah Hall uh, on here on the um, uh, Tinnitus podcast, and I'm super happy to have her come as my second interview guest on uh, the show here that is all about um, also the science of tinnitus, so the people out there um, who suffer from tinnitus, but also relatives and friends and people around them can uh, get a bit of a better understanding of what uh, the science of tinnitus is actually about. So um, yeah, thanks very much for being here today, and I would like to... Uh, give you the opportunity to uh, introduce yourself. Sure, Frida. Uh, delighted to be part of your podcast series. Mm -hmm. um, I'm Professor of Hearing Sciences at the University of Nottingham, and I work both in Nottingham, UK, and on our uh, one of our overseas campuses, uh, the University of Nottingham, Malaysia. Right. That uh, sounds really interesting. And um, uh, yeah, well, then thanks again for uh, being on today. And the first question I would like to ask you is, um, and this, this is something that um, I find really interesting because most people, uh, last week we had uh, Professor Silvano Gallos on and it was kind of a coincidence that he uh, got more or less in tinnitus research. So what, you, what was your way 
to, to tinnitus research? How did you get into tinnitus research? Great question. So I certainly never intended on getting into tinnitus research when I started my academic career. Um, I spent 10 to 15 years um, of my early research career working on central auditory processing. I'm a psychologist by training. Oh, wow. And once I'd finished my studies at university, I got a great opportunity to work at a government-funded research institute to develop uh, functional magnetic resonance imaging techniques, mm -hmm. which are essentially new techniques for understanding how the human brain processes sound information yes. um, using um, a, a, an MR scanner. You may have seen them, they're in hospitals, sure. but the University of Nottingham is uh, one of the UK's flagship centers for using this type of technique for research purposes. Yeah. Uh, so that took me um, to the University of Nottingham, where I spent 10 to 15 years developing that research program, trying to understand how normal, young, healthy students, most of them, but mm -hmm. how the normal brain processes sound information. Um, how it extracts information from the ear to interpret what that uh, sound means, um, be it music or speech or environmental sounds. Um, and then I started um, to get more involved with the British Tinnitus Association. Mm -hmm. So in the UK, we have a very active and vibrant patient organisation. Yeah that supports research, but also provides a lot of um, support in different ways to people who suffer from tinnitus. Um, and they invited me to be on their um, professional committee. Um, that comprises academics and clinicians who have a different expertise in hearing and tinnitus to provide advice uh, and recommendations to the charity. Um, that was probably back in 2006 and from that I just got drawn in to this uh, rather, I would say, enigmatic problem that faces hearing science. Um, lots of people talk about tinnitus but from a scientific perspective it's quite a challenging area yeah. to work in yeah. um, and and so I was drawn to that challenge and felt that I could contribute to some of that research endeavor and so switched or kind of diverted some of my research focus um, towards those questions so I hope that kind of gives you a flavor of how yeah. I how I got into tinnitus it was it was kind of really very much driven by the British Tinnitus Association and listening to patient stories and feeling that actually this is kind of something that scientific research should be able to help make progress um, to help people who have the condition. Right, right, right. Did you ever um, uh, uh, experience or have tinnitus yourself or do you know anyone close to you that who has tinnitus or who is dealing with it or because uh, Silvano Gallo says like he didn't even know about tinnitus before someone came to him and asked like would you like to do some research on tinnitus and it was actually the founder of the Mario Negri Institute 
who asked him to contribute to that research. And then he was like, suddenly um, he learned about people in his immediate environment who would tell him, hey, by the way, I also have tinnitus. And he would be like, whoa, I didn't even know that was a, that, that was a proper, like, or I didn't even know that was such a, such a, such a, such a big um, uh, occurrence in tinnitus. Mm -hmm. um, so I suppose like most people of my generation, um, I suffered from temporary bouts of tinnitus okay. after exposing my ears to loud music. I was a big concert goer when I was a teenager um, okay. and often used to sit next to the, or stand next to the front of the stage where it was loudest um, and oh. would often go home with quite severe ringing in the ears, which sometimes took a few yeah. days to, yeah. uh, to disappear. Um, I guess more recently, um, as I've got older, and particularly since I've started working in tinnitus, I have been more attuned to my own tinnitus. Um, most of the time, I'm not bothered by it and I don't really notice it. But when I'm particularly tired or stressed, um, when I'm quiet, either quiet reading or lying in bed trying to get to sleep, I can hear this high-pitched whistling in the background. So I would say, yes, I do now have constant tinnitus, but am I bothered by it? No, not really most of the time. Nice. And, and, and that's what I think like many people deal with, you know, and that's, that's the, that's the part where tinnitus, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes tinnitus is, is, is often, um, um, for people just a, a side condition, you know, that they, they notice it when it's really quiet and then there's no problem, but sometimes it can be the last drop that fills the cup, you know, like you have a family problem, um, you have a problem at work. And then there's a few things and then suddenly you notice that tinnitus even more intensely, you're stressed out a bit more and suddenly everything, everything goes downwards and people get into spirals. And that's what I like see in my coaching business. I'm, by the way, I'm not a trained psychologist, um, but I, uh, I did a few courses on cognitive behavioral training and therapy. Okay. And I loved it because it helped me myself a lot. And I, I have been, um, going to uh, psychotherapy for uh, analytical psychotherapy myself for uh, about two years. And I, I love it. It was one of the best decisions I made in my life. And um, while at the same time, um, it's a bit, it's a bit of an, uh, uh, yeah, I, I got really involved in psychology. So I started this um, uh, cognitive behavioral uh, uh, therapy uh, training myself to get into it. And while at the same time subjecting myself to um, analytical psychotherapy, and um, it has shifted my perspective and my ways of thinking so many, mm -hmm. so many different new angles. And I, 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 I didn't go to psychotherapy just because of the tinnitus, because I have tinnitus for over 10 years already and uh, mm -hmm. six years of them like very severely. So I can hear it even in well, when I go to the tram or when I walk on the street outside, like it's constantly there. Um, because um, my, my, my own condition is a bit uh, more intense because I was born deaf on one ear and um, on the other ear I have a, a high pitch uh, deafness. Um, yeah, so, um, but I, I think that in, in, if in many people, tinnitus can be the last drop and then it's very difficult for them to get out of this vicious circle. And um, if, you, if, you, if you start experiencing tinnitus in that kind of way, um, um, it, it, it's really important that you, that you don't feel so alone and that you don't feel so left out from society. And in my opinion, that's why tinnitus research and making the research also more publicly accessible is showing that we are actually doing something, that there is progress, or at least there are scientists who look at the bigger problem and, 
um, maybe you can share some of your um, um, experiences in the last uh, five to ten years of tinnitus research with us now, if you'd like. Yeah, so that, that, that's a, a kind of, you raise a, a, a lot of interesting points there um, in your own kind of personal journey. And the, the question of uh, kind of about how, research, how important research is to give people hope. Um, some of our early research um, in my team in, in Nottingham started really to try to find out what the personal experience of being somebody in the UK with tinnitus was like. Where would you go for support? What kind of advice would you be given by healthcare professionals? And rather sadly, we found that a lot of general practitioners, family doctors, didn't really understand much about tinnitus. Yes. Um, the UK health system is such that those family doctors are the first gatekeepers. Yeah. They're the first people yeah. that yeah. would talk, would see somebody who experiences yeah. tinnitus. And it's really important that they're sympathetic, understanding, give some positive messages of hope yeah, to the sure. person and help to signpost them to other healthcare professionals that can give them more specialist support yeah. and advice, diagnosis, and maybe um, some even some some management. Um, and and so that that kind of was really important in trying to help us understand where where were the gaps in services. And um, obviously educating general practitioners is a big challenge yeah. because uh, sure. we also found that GPs actually don't consult a large number of patients per week with tinnitus. Yeah. It may be yeah. one or two a month. Yeah. Whereas other more common complaints, you know, coughs, colds, the, the kind of general yeah, things that they're dealing yeah. with day to day, yeah. they're much more familiar with. For sure. So, it might be important to the individual person themselves, but to a GP, they've got so many kind of other competing demands on their knowledge and skill and time that tinnitus for them is not so much of a priority condition. Mm. And that may un kind of underpin their lack of understanding and awareness. Mm. That's where some of the charities, I think, can fill the gaps. So the British Tinnitus Association that I mentioned earlier, there's a, a very good German equivalent, a, a patient organization. They provide lots of good information on their website, yeah. uh, information that is vetted by healthcare professionals and practitioners. So it's a credible and reliable source of information. And in the UK, the charity also offer a helpline um, for people to contact them if they have any specific questions and the staff who man that helpline are trained to provide a kind of basic counseling and support to people nice. not not just uk citizens but they do yeah. get lots of calls from, from yeah. external people um, i would say more recent in more recent years my my research has moved more towards involving patients actively in the process of research yeah. and that's been a really interesting journey that i'd be happy to talk to you about if you've got uh, more questions but we've been working recently with um the tinnitus hub 
which is another patient-focused organisation. They run um, a self-help discussion forum on the internet, but they also try and match researchers with people um, by enabling members of the public to take part in research or to find out what research projects are ongoing. And one of our more recent studies, we were interested in trying to understand the, dis the descriptions of different kinds of tinnitus complaints yeah. to enable researchers to really start to study them in a lot more detail. Right. You, you can't study something if you don't know exactly what it is. Different people have different interpretations of various health concepts. Right. So we used that discussion forum um, hosted by Tinnitus Hub. It's called Tinnitus Talk. We used that forum to reach out to uh, a small number of people with tinnitus and practitioners who have expertise in tinnitus. And we used that discussion forum as a way of exchanging viewpoints and opinions and ideas with the aim of trying to come up with an agreed definition of what mm. some of these concepts are. Mm. Mm. Going back to your comments about cognition or cognitive behaviour therapy, one of the discussions that we had was what does acceptance of tinnitus mean? Yeah. It's a concept that you're probably familiar with yeah. through your yeah. counselling experience. Yeah. Um, but a clinician's understanding of acceptance can be quite different from uh, the definition of acceptance that's understood by a member of the public. And if you're talking about those kind of concepts, it's, um, it's important that you have a shared understanding of the same, sure. um, the same concept. Uh, or else people are talking at kind of at mixed purposes and it's very difficult to study um, precisely. Mm, mm, mm. We'll be back in the episode in just a short moment. I just wanted to share with you something that Dawn, uh, one of our Tinnitus Club members, talked about recently. She shares uh, her insights into tinnitus habituation and what the community has been doing for her. And of course, we'd be super honored to welcome you into our community as well. But let's give uh, Dawn the word. I think um, I've had it for about the same as you, 15, 16 years, and I have habituated to it three times in the past. Uh, but this last time, um, I was just floored with it. I just didn't know how to deal with it. And uh, then I found this place and it's taught me n no end. Um, how I was dealing with it was wrong. You know, it's taught me not to react to it. Um, and like you said, it's nice knowing because I think it's a very isolated disease. Um because you're the only one that can hear it, your family can't. So you're you you're only you're the only one that knows what you're going through. Uh, but when you come to somewhere like this, it just it it's it makes it easier because you know that you're not on your own. And it's just probably been the best thing. I'm in the best place now in this last two years than I I have been for like I say in the last two years. I'm I'm just it's amazing what it's done for me. So if you're experiencing something that's similar to what Dawn is going through, then you know absolutely where to go and where to look and where to turn to. Um, we'd be super excited to welcome you in our MyTinnitus.club community. So if you head over to www.MyTinnitus.club, you can sign up for your 14 days free trial, um, join one of our members' events, introduce yourself to our other members. We are currently getting a buddy system going so that people who are already way on their path 
path to habituation can support and help other people who are newer in the community. So if this is something that you want to uh, get into and you want to live your best life despite tinnitus, then sign up for your free trial at www.mytinnitus.club. But let's get back into the episode. I, I really like that you're involving patients because I... I, I wrote a piece or I got a, a bit engaged on, on LinkedIn over the last few days because it's uh, tinnitus week. And um, I, 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 I read a lot and I, I was really like, I was writing this sort of like passionate piece on my tinnitus and it also got a bit political because I thought like it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, like what I always perceive and what many tinnitus sufferers perceive is that there's such a big gap between um, all that that's happening on the scientific or doctor's level from the experts to the ENTs and then even the GPs. So the general practitioners also here in Germany, they would refer to also to an ENT and then the ENT would check and would say, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, I can't do anything. We don't have any, any treatments for tinnitus. And then we, we do know what a big um, impact on society this has. So may, many people don't even go to the doctor because they research and they say, okay, tinnitus, I can't do anything. And then, as I said, mm-hmm. their cup fills up a bit and then because they get into sleeping deprivation. They have sleeping difficulties. They get into burnout, depression, all these kind of things. They all go together. But what we must do is we must start to destigmatize tinnitus, hearing loss. We need to make people aware that if they wear their headphones, their Apple earpods on the subway and they crank up the volume and they do that every day for a few years, their hearing successively gets worse. And then maybe especially at the age of like where more stress comes up and children um, and, and job and, and all this kind of stuff happens at the same time. And then, then, then there's a big, big, massive problem that we're facing in our society. So we need a much bigger understanding and an awareness of this disease. And it's not only about tinnitus and it's not only about finding a cure. It's a, a much, a, it's, it's a much bigger 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 thing that we have to tackle as an epidemic as an epidemic that is for example loneliness in people in our societies right now so i in my opinion was sort of like trying to get a much bigger bigger picture out of it and and, and a much bigger understanding of what tinnitus and underlying and other condition and comorbidities can actually cause in our societies and that's why i really liked and i didn't know that that you were um, uh, conducting also studies and working together directly with patients. So that's, I think, one of the best ways to sort of get everyone together. That's that's really mm-hmm. that's really awesome. It's really yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. I, I, for me, it's been very eye-opening working with patients. It's made me see tinnitus in a different way. As I explained to you earlier, I'm somebody who experiences tinnitus, but I'm not bothered by it. And right. so my experience of tinnitus is very, very different from many people who do find their tinnitus extremely bothering in a range of different ways. And so listening to those individual stories, hearing from people about kind of the knockbacks that they've had from the healthcare profession sometimes, hearing stories from people about how they've managed to find their own ways of helping them cope better with their tinnitus, listening to patient stories about you know their ongoing difficulties um really helps me as a researcher because it makes me understand and appreciate better that bigger picture so that i kind of understand more about what are the important questions that research really needs to be tackling uh, from the from the patient perspective and I, I mean i would say one of the i think the side benefits of doing research with patients um, in the feedback that we've received so far people have 
found it um, in many cases quite therapeutically beneficial yes. to them personally to take yeah. part. They've been able to share their stories. Yeah. They, in many cases, have been able to listen yeah. to other people's stories, yeah. so it makes yeah. them feel a little bit less alone. Yeah. And sometimes just that feeling of having a voice and being listened to yeah. by the professional community um, it can be very important. Um, yeah. So I, th I think involving patients in, in research has two-way benefits. It's useful for me as a researcher, but hopefully for some people, they can also get personal benefits out of it. 100%. And I, I think one of the biggest steps, and I think that's part of what this is here psychologically, is giving the person power back. You know, The person is back in power. they sharing their condition, their experience, and they know that, I mean, you say in, in, in this uh, European survey has brought out that 75 million in, in Europe uh, suffer from tinnitus and 3% of them in, in, on, on, uh, from, from a severe form of tinnitus. And um, mm -hmm. that's actually a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's a yeah. lot of people. And, yeah. and, and, and getting these people, the first thing is what they, what, what, what they get when they get their uh, diagnosis tinnitus or they have tinnitus is that they, people say to them like either on the internet when they Google it or an ENT or a GP say to them like, oh, sorry, I can't do anything. And this victimization starts in that moment, that victimization, that vicious circle in your head starts going like, I have tinnitus. I can't do anything about it. How, why does this happen to me? Why am I the one suffering from tinnitus and not other people? I've been protecting my hearing or what have I done wrong? I haven't been going to clubs so much or I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Why me? And that vicious circle only starts to break once you start taking responsibility again for yourself and for your life. And in any way that can be like, right, even like try, all, trying to alter your cognition towards the tinnitus, trying to see the tinnitus in different ways, trying to get hold of it and saying like, You know, if I can't sleep, maybe I play some rain sounds or maybe I get up and do something that I like, do some crosswords or whatever, whatever, whatever it is that, that like calms me back down a bit or I'll do some meditation or I just have to find a different way to live my life because I can't live it as before anymore. But I can empower myself to look for strategies and things that I can do in order to get better even with tinnitus. And that's the first, that's the first step. And I think that's so important. That's, for example, why I say to so many people, try to determine your frequency. Like my, I, I have a mix of frequencies, but so as soon as people determine what frequency their tinnitus is in, they're like, they have something to grasp. They're like, okay, this is my tinnitus. And then yeah. from there comes the realization, okay, I can do something myself. Mm -hmm. And that's very powerful, I think. I, I, I agree. Some of the discussion that we had in the um, Tinnitus Talk forum was centered around the idea of um, having a sense of control over, over your tinnitus. That was one of the tinnitus-related health concepts that came out very strongly as being important in our tinnitus survey. And so the discussion that we had with patients tried to unpack what that means in, in more detail. Um, what does it mean to develop a sense of control over your tinnitus? Um, and interestingly, what our findings showed from the, from the discussion was that there are sort of two different ways of looking at sense of control uh, from the patient and the professional perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's kind of one way in which um, you might um, find uh, a, a device, a kind of a sound-based device um, that helps with your tinnitus. And having that device and being able to use it in a way that can help reduce 
the impact of your tinnitus can help to provide a, a sense of control. You've got an active way of coping with the tinnitus by having something that you can use when things are getting a, a little bit, um, a bit bad. On the other side, there's another kind of interpretation or view of sense of control, which is about that kind of personal sense of control, uh, self-efficacy, if you like, knowing and being confident that you have the tools to be able to yes. manage your tinnitus. So they're both external and internal um, focuses of, of that sense of control. And both can be important um, in, in different kind of contexts. But um, our, our findings made recommendations about considering both of those different types of, of sense of control because they both lead to slightly different coping strategies, um, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of people like I'm, um, I don't I want I, I don't want to say that often, and I, I'm not saying it often, but um, I have very severe tinnitus, and for a long time I've been really struggling with it. But um, it's one of the things that have led me to what I'm doing right now, and um, it's 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 something when I started that I can like lead my life in a different way. I can change my perspectives. I got into psychology and I think I've, I'm preventing a burnout and a more severe depression at later ages, like going through all these difficulties now at my early thirties or at, at my late twenties. And um, it's enabled me to do so much. So I, I regularly tell people that I coach that like, once you've gone through this, once you've altered your cognition and you look at how, how you can structure and like, uh, deal with issues and problems in your life so you you get a you get a you get a sense of perspective or like problems are coming in and then you kind of triaging them and then you look at them in different perspectives and then you determine how you feel about them and sometimes just feeling different about something is already changing your mood and yeah. like it's it, it can be relatively easy you know if you find a recipe for yourself I'm not saying it's always like i sometimes I, I once in a few months i have a night where i'm like wow the sinus what the hell like wow i can't sleep crazy but i'm used to it like so why is it bothering me so much tonight and then next morning i found out something else had been bothering me so it was sort of like a the focus shifted over to tinnitus and something else has been bothering me so once i get this understanding i'm drawing a map for so, sort of like exploring myself my feelings and my behavior and my emotions and once i get that like my whole life changed and that's what i like that's what i like to to that's what i what i what i love to see in people as well so tinnitus well, by all means, it's a super annoying condition in many people. It's also a big, big, big help in order to induce change for them and in order to like find a new path in their own lives to like make changes, amends, um, do different things, try things that they always wanted to try. So it's not always bad in my opinion. So I, I've, I've had some, some beautiful moments with, with uh, 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 other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like you're a, a very good role model for people who are suffering from tinnitus to show that there is hope and that by kind of really actively engaging with tinnitus and developing personal strategies that can help and to think about tinnitus more in a positive light than a negative light can be really helpful in getting your life back on track. Yeah. Um, so it's, I, it's yeah. great that you're sharing these stories uh, in in the podcast so that other people can be inspired <laughs> by what you've been able to achieve personally. Um, yeah, thanks very much. And but this is something that I want to stress. It's like 
it's like when I was younger, I, um, when I started going to the gym and working out, I, I always looked at the other guys and they were like big and, you know, they had big muscles and I was really obsessed with like having these big muscles and six pack abs and things like that, you know, because that's how we all supposed to look like, right? You watch a movie and that's what you're supposed to look like as a man. I sort of got obsessed with it, but in the same way with the tinnitus is you don't get instant results. So switching like this from having tinnitus and being super anxious and not knowing how to cope to going to, into acceptance and, and changing your life is a strategy and it takes time. And it, yeah. it, it, sometimes coaching can help. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes, you know, sometimes cognitive behavioral therapy can help. Sometimes it just needs time for you to realize the things in your life that you need to change. And I wish I had known that before. I wish that's why I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing now is that I wish 10 years ago, I would have gone to myself. I'm like, yo, you're 19 years old, man. You're not supposed to look like that. It's normal. Just give it two, three, four years and you need to do this regularly. You don't need to cut your diet to an absolute minimum and need to mm -hmm. stop eating this and that and you need to do this and that. But no, just do it continuously over time and slow by slow progress will follow. But that's, I think, something that's always with when we're younger, we always want things fast and immediately. And as we grow older, that's definitely a big change happening from when I was in my early years and I wanted things immediately. And I, I, I wanted to make that progress immediately towards now when I can also share with people with tinnitus, especially and say like it needs work and it needs progress, mm -hmm. but you're in charge of this. And this is the very first step. You're in charge of your own progress. Um, yeah. I think that also comes with life experience and you realize that you can't always get things instantly um, yeah. and sometimes need, need to work at them. In fact, that idea of um, tinnitus taking you on a journey through life was one of the recurring themes that cropped up quite often in the discussions that we had on the discussion forum uh, with, um, with people who were experiencing tinnitus. Some people realised that they were kind of quite early on in the start of that journey. Mm, mm, Other people had, had kind of been living with their tinnitus for many years yeah. um, and had kind of progressed further on that, that journey. But I, I think there was a general recommendation that one has to accept that tinnitus is part of who you are. It, it, it may never go away. You just have to find some way of dealing with it and accepting that the tinnitus is part of you and that it shouldn't um, kind of destroy your life, you know, to enjoy life and make the most of, of, of life despite having tinnitus and find some ways of um, uh, having a fulfilling life at the same time as having your tinnitus. Yeah, and as, and as long as we don't have the objective that uh, there is a drug that's going to be administered and ready and tested in a couple of years, as long as we don't have that, uh, referring back to what I've said earlier, is so mm. important that we adopt a more holistic approach in our society about all these problems and that we actively and openly speak out about them. I love the, the movement that like, it's also more normal now than it was 10 years ago to, to, get, um, to get counseling, right? Like 10 years ago, it was like, what's wrong with you, you know, like, and then it's still the thing that I sort of benefit from, but I wouldn't like it, you know, like I'm a coach, I'm lifestyle coaching people with tinnitus, but people who suffer very badly, I say to them, like, you know what, I don't think I can help you. If you're in such a bad state, I think you need proper counseling because I'm not allowed to do this. 
and um, I won't be able to do this. So I would recommend you, and if you want to, I can help you to look for someone to, who deals with this professionally together with you. And um, 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 I think it's it's very very important that this this the shifts and the whole perspective in the society shifts of what tinnitus is and what are the comorbidities that go along with it as well. And 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 we need more than than a, a, a doctor who tells you like, sorry, we can't do anything at the moment because we don't have a cure to it yet. But we need something is like, I understand you have tinnitus. You probably also have a few other things going on in your life right now. But know that tinnitus is first and foremost in 99% of the cases, not a dangerous thing. It's a symptom. It's really annoying, but it's not dangerous for you, first of all. And second of all, I promise you that we can get you back on track and all these other points in your life as well. If you want some counseling, I'll recommend you this person where I'll do this and that for you and we'll see through and we look at how we can do this together. And that's what people need. They need to be like taken, they need to be taken in and they, they need to be like made aware of where they stand, what the op options are they have and that they're not alone with this because it's 15%, 75 million people in Europe who have tinnitus. Yeah. So the messages that you've just mentioned about um, sort of positive messages that are important certainly at that early stage of the journey in living with tinnitus those, those are exactly um, the sort of messages that we put forward in a campaign to family doctors in the UK we, we nice. worked a number of years with the ago with the British Tinnitus Association and we we developed what we called top 10 tips for family doctors um, and the charity um, ran a, a, a campaign targeting those healthcare professionals, as I say, who are often the first people whose door gets knocked on uh, by somebody yeah. who's suffering from tinnitus, yeah. just to make sure that those doctors kind of convey messages of, um, you know, hope, it's not life-threatening it doesn't necessarily it doesn't mean that your hearing is going to go worse tinnitus doesn't make your hearing worse yeah. um, that there are ways that can help tinnitus yeah. Yeah. Um, and that there are other specialists who can help work with the individual to, to find some sort of strategy that could be helpful yeah, uh, yeah. And, and also I mean in most cases is the, the, the difficulties experienced with tinnitus are fairly mild. Uh, you were talking about the, the population right. statistics across right. Europe. Um, most people who have tinnitus are not too bothered by it. It's yeah, just that yeah. small minority right. that are. And right. that can often be a reassuring message for, for people as well to help them see that, that yeah. sort of bigger picture. But uh, like, and, and, and what I say, and, and, and what you say is absolutely 100% true, like 75 million, I mean, that's a lot of people, but as you say, most of them are not bothered by it. But what I mean is that these people who are not bothered by it, it can become a quick bother, like it can become a, a bother yeah. really quickly yeah, when other circumstances yeah. change in their life. So every year we have 300,000 people suffering on top of tinnitus who get tinnitus anew because obviously our population is um, uh, getting older, but the, 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 the circumstances that our modern society are dealing with increased noise, increased stress, the working is different and we need to make more money in order to pay for our living and all these kind of things. And, 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 and these things lead to us being more stressed and also more susceptible to tinnitus. And, and then once the tinnitus comes and a few other things change, it can go into a downward facing spiral much earlier. So 
um, not only doing prevention in um, in the environment of trying to say that people should protect their hearing better, which is uh, it's already a great step. Hey, if my if my, uh, my 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 brother who's 16 years old goes to the club now, they have hearing protection there. You know, when I was 16, and um, as as a deaf on one side, and I still I was hearing perfectly fine on my right ear, right? But within two or three years, I destroyed a large part of my hearing just because I just went to clubs like everyone else without wearing any hearing protection, and probably from a genetic structure, and also the fact that I was already deaf on one ear. Um, uh, made quite some quite some big impact in my in my personal in my in my hearing ability, right? If someone listens to this and they like just started recently suffering to tinnitus, like what is your experience also in working together with patients? What can they? What can I mean? We've talked about a lot about empowerment and everything, but what is the first thing, for example, for someone in the UK starting to suffering from tinnitus? What should they do now? I would start off by advising people what not to do. So you Google yeah. on the internet to find out about tinnitus. You know, Great. if you have any kind of health condition, <laughs> don't Google it. You're right. It's perfect. Google. Yes, you're very but right. But if you, if you actually, I mean, as a scientist, if I if yeah. I actually look critically on the information that is available on the yeah. internet, there's a lot of misinformation. Yes, that 100%. can actually send the wrong kind of messages or raise unnecessary concerns in people or even point towards cures yeah <laughs> i put them in inverted yes commas, yeah. that, that companies say will cure tinnitus but um uh, 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 even at worst they could um damage damage you or damage your hearing you know there's or pure veganism therapy. out of nowhere pure veganism for month and month or uh, juice tea toxins <laughs> or um, as one Australian fella puts it, only eating uh, intestines and raw meat and stuff like that. And uh, then suddenly tinnitus goes away or the dry fasting for two and a half days and you're basically nearly dead. Yeah. That's all not recommendable, right? Yeah. So there's, there's an awful lot of yeah. interventions that, yeah. uh, that are not helpful. And you can spend a, a lot of money going down lots of blind alleys. I think some of the things that you've mentioned already are, are really important. It's about talking to the right sort of people. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, talking with, with family, um, because getting family support, I'm sure your wife is very supportive to you. Um, and that can be really, really important uh, to help them understand what your experience is. And then, uh, I mean, in... It depends on the healthcare system, but right. in the UK, if you want to access help, then you, you have to kind of go to the family doctor. So it's yeah. about going to the family doctor, but feeling empowered not to be fobbed off by that um, yeah. comment that there's nothing to be done and you just have to go away and live with it, to insist that you do get proper referral on to have your hearing checked, um, just to make sure that the tinnitus is not a, a sign of anything else that needs sure. further medical yes. intervention. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess I would, I would recommend on being informed about those kind of important early first steps in just seeking the right sort of medical advice and getting support, just to make sure that people don't go through that kind of revolving yeah. door of going to the GP, being told there's nothing to be done, going back home, then actually maybe something triggers the tinnitus and it just gets unbearable yes. and you go back. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. want to kind of uh, uh, avoid those kind of situations.
I think that was, that was great, 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 super valuable advice because this was super helpful because this is what I mostly find. People, they get the results and the answer like we can't do anything and then they start Googling and then they start a vitamin B diet and then they start uh, to be vegan for a while and then they start uh, different regimes, uh, pop different pills from Amazon or something like that and nothing helps and they spend a lot of money and they only get every single time it doesn't work, makes it worse because you're, you feel less powerful, you feel you feel sort of like super sad. It hasn't worked for you. There's so many great, great reviews out there and they all say it helped me get rid of my tinnitus and it didn't work for you. So you're again, someone who has a very individual case of it and it doesn't work for you. So probably nothing will work for you and, and all of this. So yeah, that was a very, very, very great advice and it's very down to earth. And I think that's the best way to approach tinnitus as well. Down to earth, knowing that you can go forward. It's nothing that will impact your life forever. Um, it's uh, uh, something that you could should take care of, but it's nothing that you should react too emotional about because that's also not not uh, not good for you. Do you have anything else that you would like to share? Just uh, say that uh, a bit openly now. Anything else that you would have on your mind that you would find interesting to to uh, to comment on? For, for those people who might be listening to this podcast who are interested in reading a little bit more about the research that we've been doing, particularly the research that we've been doing that, in, that involves people with tinnitus, I'll share with you some links um, so that people can see what we've been doing. And Thanks. if anybody would like to hear more about the sort of tinnitus research that we are doing at the University of Nottingham, uh, we have a patient or participant database um, whereby people can register an interest in getting um, updated on any new studies that we might be running. Mm -hmm. um, some of those studies are conducted over the internet or via email. So if there's anybody listening who's interested in potentially taking part in research, um, then we would love to hear from them. So I'll share with you a, a contact email address for inquiries if people would like to sign up to the database. And as um, in addition to being on the database, they can re receive our regular newsletters that update people on the sort of research that we've been doing nice. at the University of Nottingham. Great. Give people hope that there is research being done and to give yes. people a flavor of the sort of work that not just myself, but we have a very large team of researchers working on tinnitus in children, yeah. tinnitus in adults, yeah. um, different kinds of clinical trials, different kinds of surveys. There's lots of different work going on. That is great. I will subscribe right now as well. And all these people who, should, who are listening should do so as well, because I think this is uh, something very helpful and that we should all make um, more use, use of because these sources are actually available. Um, the better they are, the, the better it is because it's still, uh, it, ca it can't be enough for uh, the amount of people who also are dealing with this. I will put the uh, links um, into the description of the podcast episode. Great. Then I would like to, again, thank you so much for um, taking the time today on uh, your Friday afternoon. I'm sure you now have um, probably amazing weather to, uh, to go out to and enjoy your uh, Friday evening. And sure. uh, I wish you all the best for Malaysia still. Yes, thank you. And I hope that your listeners have found today's episode interesting and informative. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye. 
Thank you very much for tuning into this week's episode of the Outring Tinnitus podcast. We had the pleasure to bring you uh, Professor Deborah Hall from Nottingham University at the time in the UK. Um, she was also part of the Tinnitus conference that was held now in 2023. So a few years after this podcast episode first aired because it is one of the first podcast episodes that are released out there. Um, this is Frida from the future talking to Frida from the past. <laughs> um, if you like this episode, you'll find a lot of information in the show notes below um, if you want to read my free guide to tinnitus at tinnitus-guide.com i'll be happy to hear what you think about it go to tinnitus-book.com to read my book and yeah we've had amazing feedback in our community and all over the world so if you enjoy the podcast then please leave me a short review leave me five stars if you enjoy it share it with the people who are dearest to you so they can also understand your tinnitus struggles um, and we are super excited to share with you that you can join us for a free trial in our online tinnitus community so if you go to www.mytinnitus.club you can sign up for your individual 14 days free trial um, my name is Frida. I was born deaf on my left ear and I wear a hearing aid and have a severe tinnitus in my right ear. And that is the motivation and reason for why I became a tinnitus coach. That is the reason and the motivation for why I created this podcast. And it is also the motivation on why I created my community, all the resources that I share with you, because I believe everyone has the right to live their absolute best life despite tinnitus. And I hope that you appreciate all the work that I do and I hope that you get the most out of it and I hope that you can give me some feedback as well right so uh, if you sign up um, you will also get a few emails from me uh, detailing how you can best uh, deal with your tinnitus so if you go to tinnitus-guide.com and you sign up and you get my pdf you get a couple of emails just uh, short emails um, with a few action-packed uh, tips and tricks for your tinnitus and if you ever have any feedback then you can just simply reply to, to those emails and I'm be, I'll be happy to have a little conversation with you. All right, I wish you all the best and speak to, very, no, speak to you very soon. Go slow, Frida. You have all the time in the world. This is a podcast. All right. All right, guys, from my heart to yours, from Berlin and Germany to wherever you listen to in the whole world, I see people are listening from everywhere. So thank you very much for tuning in and I hear you in the next episode. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening to the Outring Tinnitus podcast. I am looking forward to also welcome you on my website at outringtinnitus.com or if you have any questions, please mail to frida at outringtinnitus.com. See you next time.